Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is a rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. For He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered into a synagogue, and in the midst of the worship, we read this from Luke 4. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this passage from Luke chapter 4 is this amazing account of Jesus coming in and openly, boldly proclaiming that he is the Messiah. He is bringing in the power and the might of the Lord in the midst of Israel. Now, of course, he knows that they're going to have a problem with that. He knows that they're not going to be very receptive to this message. They're not going to be very receptive to him. And they aren't. And in fact, Jesus, he knows this. And he addresses that. And among what he does say is this story here. In verses 24 through 26, Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Okay, so let's, let's pause right here. So among what Jesus is proclaiming, yes, he is in his hometown at this time, and he, he says that no prophet is accepted in his hometown, and he gives one of these examples. He says, you know, there was this occasion that Elijah was, of, of course, he could have been provided um, with what he needed from some widow who was in Israel, because there were widows in Israel. But it wasn't to one of those that he was sent. Elijah was sent to someone who would be considered an outsider. And that is what I want us to look at. I want us to see this story that he mentions here in verse 26, that it was a widow in Zarephath that was in the region of Sidon. That is the widow that the Lord reached out to in order to provide for Elijah. Very interesting story. Let's look at it together. Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I kind of struggled with what to call this lesson. And I wasn't really sure about a, um, a title that would be 
descriptive that you could find and, and be able to see this video and recognize, okay, yeah, I know what that's talking about, or maybe search for it, or something along those lines. So I just went with the title, The Widow of Zarephath, and, and it comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. And that's where we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time uh, together. But now, this title, one of the reasons why I kind of struggle with it is because let, yes, it tells you that we're going to be looking at this widow, but I mean, what did she do and what does this have to do with? You probably know this story and I considered kind of titling it something else. You know, I considered uh, titling it that our God, you know, the God of the Bible, he is greater than the other gods, you know, all other gods. I thought about doing that, but then I thought, well, you know, that's that's kind of what people might think of with, with Elijah and the occasion of, of on Mount Carmel. And he set up that whole thing with, with he was the prophet of God, and then there was these prophets of Baal. And they kind of set up this whole thing. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 18. But that's not what this lesson is about, uh, except for it's the same type of concept, though, that's still happening in this passage. Because you've got to understand that during this time, there was a God who was causing problems among the people of Israel and also in the region of Sidon. And this God was named Baal. And yes, we know that most famously from Mount Carmel and with Elijah and all. That's one of the most famous things he's known for. But yet, that's not the only time. That's not where the, the battle starts. That's not where the war begins. Because even in 1 Kings 17, we see that, that Baal is being challenged. He's being challenged by the one true and living God of Israel. And 1 Kings 17 sets up all of these things. And I want us to, to see this setup, to see this power of our God. So as we look at this story together, I want you to recognize what the word of the Lord is doing in this story. I want you to recognize the power of the Lord. And I just want you to recognize what the story can teach us and how great and how loving our God is. He is powerful, he is mighty, and he cares. Well, let's take a look at it together. In 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, talking about Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So it's not exactly starting off as the most pleasant of stories, but we don't really know too much about this widow's background and, and really what has led her to this point. But what I do want us to do is oftentimes what we do is is we focus on the verses that we haven't even gotten to just yet. You know, we went from verses 8 to 12. Well, in the next few verses, we see that God is going to miraculously provide uh, for these people. But let's back up and let's spend time right here first. Let's make sure that we understand this foundation because there are a few things that happened in this story that would have been very obvious to the original readers or even kind of any of the readers of the Bible. But yet to us, we don't always get them the same way because we live in a different culture. We live in a different time. We, we don't know some of the same struggles that they would have dealt with. So for starters, it's important to recognize 
that the land is experiencing a time of no rain. And really, they're experiencing a time of uh, not just drought, but also famine. That's what Jesus talked about whenever he spoke of this time, wasn't it? That's what he specifically brought up in that synagogue setting. So right here, we see that this is in the midst of a famine. This is in the midst of a drought. And the word of the Lord speaks. The word of the Lord was speaking to the man of God, to Elijah himself. And what did that word say? It says in verse 9, this word of the Lord came and told him to go to a different place. Now, this is very interesting because it's not his hometown, okay? This is uh, an outside region. These are the ones who would be considered, you know, kind of the Gentiles, the outsiders, the ones who aren't really supposed to be the children of God, the, the ones who are the chosen ones of God. But we find out that God has done something. God is doing something in their midst as well. Because the word of the Lord says that I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, I wish we had more details about this, but we simply don't. Um, God seems to have set this up. He says that he directed a widow there to supply you with food. So how much does the widow understand and how much does she know that this account uh, is going to take place and this encounter is going to happen? Uh, we just have that God directed this widow to supply him with food. Okay, so he was obeying the word of the Lord. He goes there and he sees this, everything unfolding just as the word of the Lord said it was going to. And he starts to ask her a few things. He starts off by asking for just a little water. Now, under normal circumstances, that's a very small favor to ask someone. In fact, it's almost kind of just expected that they would show one another this type of hospitality. Just like if, you know, you were to just... Um, give somebody a, a, a glass of, of water or, you know, a soda today. Just It's just a, a kind gesture, a sign of hospitality. But, you know, whenever you're in the midst of a drought, it's a little bit bigger of a favor, isn't it? In verse 11, see, that's one thing we could easily overlook, but it's part of the context here. And if you want to find out about the, the specific drought, yes, we've already mentioned it there with Jesus, but go up to the first seven verses, that's where you see that, that God has shut off the, the rain. And the importance of him shutting off the rain, uh, it kind of increases whenever you realize this God that's causing them problems, this Baal that a lot of people uh, in Israel and other places were worshiping. Um, he's supposed to be the God who brings thunder and he brings the rains. So God says, okay, well, I'm going to show you I'm more powerful than this God that you've been worshiping. And I'm going to shut that off. Not allow you to be able to have these rains and all that you that you desperately need. And he did that for a time. So this request for a little bit of water in verse 10 seems like a small request. And in many ways, under normal circumstances, it would have been a small request. But right here, right now, during this time, it was a little bit bigger. But then he kind of, he increases that. In verse 11, he says, and bring me please a piece of bread. They're experiencing a drought. They're experiencing a famine. And he's asking for water and bread. Now, he's just obeying the word of the Lord. This is what the word of the Lord has set up for him. And, you know, from us, we read this and we're thinking, okay, so this prophet is asking this widow for these things. You know, asking a widow to serve him. It, that's what we might focus on. We might think, well, that's kind of reversed, isn't it? And in some ways, it is. But God is teaching us all a lesson through this. Because, see, the widows, in almost any society, 
especially of the ancient societies, they were the ones who didn't have a whole lot of means. And we see that right here, she doesn't have a whole lot either. She's literally, at least by what she says, she's gathering just things for her final meal and she's about to have her last meal and then die. That's what she says. Maybe she's exaggerating a little bit, but let's face it, she probably doesn't have a whole lot. She's not expecting a lot out of life anymore. She's had a hard time up to this point. So widows oftentimes, especially during the times of the Bible, uh, they didn't have a very good way to be able to make income. You know, to, today we, we have it a little bit easier for widows, but I'm not trying to say that it would be easy without a doubt. But during this time, it would have been extremely hard for a widow to be able to make ends meet, to, to make money, to be able to, to supply enough to meet their own needs, uh, much less the needs of others. Because we notice here that she doesn't have a whole lot to begin with, and he's asking for more. Then we also find out that she's got a family because she says, look, I'm making this uh, meal for myself and my son. She says that in verse 12. We also find out, of course, as I've already mentioned, she's a widow. So really like everything about this, you would think, okay, Elijah should be the one that is helping her, but then he's asking. He's asking because this is what the word of the Lord has, has come. The word of the Lord came to him to show something. And the word of the Lord is going to show something very, very mighty. Also, remember this about this widow. She is a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. She's not one of the insiders. She's one of the outsiders. But yet God is going to do something great in her life, through her life. He's going to show his power. He's going to show his might. Even though she's got so many things going against her, what she does have is, God is, is going to reveal something to her. Now, we also see in verse 12 something. Notice how she talks about God. She said, as surely as the Lord your God lives. See, she, by all at least assumptions, she seems like she probably serves a different God rather than the, the God of the Bible. That's why she says, the Lord your God lives. So she's kind of swearing by, by his God and proclaiming, look, I don't have these things. I don't, I don't have the ability to, to supply you uh, with a lot. Uh, I, I'm literally at the very end of my rope. That's what she's saying. That's the message that she is proclaiming. See, she doesn't know how it's going to happen. She doesn't know how it's going to work out. But she apparently knows that the word of the Lord has come to Elijah and seemingly the word of the Lord has somehow at least come to her because verse nine, the word was, I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. How's this going to happen? Let's keep reading and find out. Verses 13 through 16. Now, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid to go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day uh, until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord had spoken by Elijah. That's the miracle that we see. This is how God is going to care for and provide for not just Elijah, this insider. You know, I mean, he's like, he's one of the, the, the big prophets, right? 
But God also cares for this foreigner, this widow, the one who she's got so many things going against her. She's a foreigner. She's a widow. She's uh, she has a family that she needs to support. And we also see that she just doesn't really have a whole lot of stuff. But yet God does something great through her, some miraculous feeding of her whole family and of Elijah. He's providing for the outsiders and the insiders all together. This is the love of God. This is what God is showing during Elijah's day. And of course, that message was repeated during Jesus' day. And Jesus was trying to show them how great the love of God is. And of course, this message is one that needs to be boldly proclaimed today as well. We see that this woman, that she's able to see great things happening in her life. She's told by Elijah to not be afraid and to feed him first. See, there's so many things about this that seem like it's upside down. But you know, isn't that oftentimes the way God works? God does work backwards from what we might expect at first. He doesn't choose the high and the mighty to, to go out and to win the wars. He chooses the lowly and he raises them up. And we all know that it is by the power of the Lord, not by human power, that these great things have come about. We see again that it is the God of Israel in verse 14. It's the God of Israel who's doing all these things. Our God is mighty. Our God is amazing. He's capable of, of not sending rain and then sending rain. He's capable of supplying this oil. He's capable of supplying this flour so that it will never run dry. Because the word of the Lord is powerful. The word of the Lord has been spoken by Elijah. And this is what was proclaimed. Now at this point, you know, I wish that we could just say that, well, they all lived happily ever after. And no hardship or no difficulties ever came their way. But actually, there were still some difficulties that were in the future for this widow. Because yes, okay, her food is, is supplied. But hardship still hits this household. And perhaps this is why God chose this family of outsiders to show them that they can be brought in to the fold of God. Isn't this a lesson that God has, has done time and time again? For example, do you remember Rahab? She was a foreigner, but she was brought in to the fold of God. And we also see that others like Ruth have gone similar paths. She would have been an outsider, but yet she was brought into the fold of God. And now we have this widow of Zarephath who would have normally been considered an outsider, but the love of God brought her in and showed her his power. And there's still a little bit more about his power that he's about to show to her household. Verses 17 through 24. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's quite a lot uh, more still to go, and I'm not going to focus too much on this, but I want us to see what happens in her life, because it's not always just sunshines and roses. There is some hard times ahead for her. In 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, God, uh, Lord, my God. Have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? 
Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down to the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. We see that in the future, you know, after those other verses we've been looking at with this widow, she knows that God has provided for her. She knows it's come from the Lord God of Israel. She knows what God it is. It's not Baal. Perhaps she had been worshiping Baal before, but it's not him. He's not the one who provides for her needs. It's the God of Israel, the one true God of the Bible. He is mighty. He is powerful. And hardship comes. Her family is taken away from her. But God restores this life of this son. And we see this wonderful statement of faith from this widow that's, that's said in verse 24. Verse 24, then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. This is the lesson that we can learn. Our God is mighty. Our God is amazing. He is powerful. He can do these great things. Can we say the same type of thing that this widow? Can we join in and, and know that the word of the Lord, it is truth and it does come to us and, and that, that God cares for us. He cared for this woman, this widow, and, and he showed her his might. He showed her time and time again. Now, I want you to think about it like this. This, this widow, here I, I've, I've got a, a jar that kind of represents what she was willing to give in, in a bowl right here. And although she didn't have a whole lot, she was actually willing to follow the word of the Lord and give everything that she did have even though it didn't amount to a whole lot, right? So that's what she did. But then what we also see is she had several things going against her, you know, that she was a foreigner, yet she still gave everything that she had. Now, some other things about her, though, of course, she was also a widow, so she didn't really have a whole lot to begin with, but what she did have, she was willing to give it out and give it away to the Lord. We also find out that, that she had a family to provide for, but yet she still gave to Elijah first. And then what happened was that jar of oil and that flour, it continued to be filled up because the Lord was working in their midst and he would constantly fill them up to allow them to have more and more great things, more and more food in their lives. So this woman, she had these, these things against her. She didn't have a whole lot. But what she did have, she freely gave to God. Can we learn from this example of the woman? Can we be like her? Which, by the way, this right here is, is not the same thing that we're reading about in, in the scriptures. You know, this is, a, this is a special jar that you can keep emptying, but every time that you empty it, you know, it still has more to, to continue to pour out of it. But, you know, this is kind of like a little bit of a magic trick. But what we have here in the Bible is not just some magic trick. It is the power of God that sustains. He truly refilled that oil and he truly refilled that flour day after day, not even just day after day, but meal after meal to provide for them everything that they needed. 
This is the power of our God. This is the love of our God. These are some of the lessons that we can learn from this widow of Zarephath. Can we join her in saying, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. God's word is truth. Let's boldly proclaim that message every single day of our lives. Watch out.